Feast High. Hello, podcast folks. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 3, senior year, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And my name is Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 46 of High School Musical 3. Minute 46 starts out with everyone singing The Rest of Our Lives with Klapow and a dancer dancing their heart out and ends with Ryan being shooed away from Sharpay saying, okay. <laughs> what did he pull a Napoleon Dynamite? Uh, Gosh, Sharpay. Kind of. <laughs> but we get the end of the song. Yeah, the song, it's finally over. Well, it's 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 spread between five minutes of our show, but it was closer to four minutes of runtime. Yeah. Which is With a dance break and everything, for like, yeah. yeah. A dance break song. Oh, you know what I didn't mention from the last minute that I just want to just throw into the world? I don't know if you noticed in the lyrics, there was one time they said it's it's going to be our night instead of the night. Yeah, they say it in this minute. They say it's going to be our night all together. Oh, so then they say it twice because they said it in the last minute, too. Which feels like a callback. I'm put the drop in. Bolton, Montez, you have a callback. It feels like a callback to we're all in this together. Whoa. Kelsey was self-referential there. Well, <laughs> that, well that's when it becomes interesting because does that song exist in the... The universe of High School Musical. Is it canon? It, that that song feels like it's non-diegetic, where this song is diegetic. So, very yeah, interesting. Indeed. So, all of our assembled cast move from the steps in the back. They sort of promenade back out to the front again. They're not quite with their pairs, because, like, Chad is standing in front of Taylor and... Jason standing in front of Martha or vice versa. I think they're behind them, but yeah, there's kind of when they promenade they're solo, but then they get into their pairings and like Zeke and Sharpay are together. But then Troy and Gabriella are next to each other and they move to the front of stage where they're dancing again together right in front of us. But then we can see right on the right, Zeke and Sharpay are dancing. Mm-hmm. So what happened to Zeke's date? Did he just ditch her? Maybe that was the plan. Maybe like he worked with a cheerleader and he's like, you know, I really want to get with Sharpay. If I go with you, that might make her jealous. <laughs> and, sure. And I'm sure the, the cheerleader friend loved that idea. Well, you never know. She could have had her own motive. She like wanted Zeke. She like ships Zeke and Sharpay for some strange reason. Yeah, I feel like you shouldn't. Like if they went as a friend. If you make it clear from the beginning, like, hi, we're going together, but like. I'm I'm actually going to try to spend more time with this other person, then that's fine. But it's still like a lousy situation to put someone in. Like maybe she's secretly in the closet and like needed to go with her parent, like for her parents' sake. And then she's like, "But I'm gonna just hang out with my group of friends." Yes, that like there are many possibilities where it's fine. But I'm saying in general, don't take someone out on a date if you don't want to like be spending time with them as like your primary function. Like maybe just that night, even if you're interested in that other person, you go, that's fine. Tonight's going to happen. I'm going to spend the time with the person that I'm going with so that they don't feel left out. Maybe, maybe the cheerleader asked the Zeke that. We don't know. It's also Fair. a fictional pairing. And 
Sharpay just couldn't get from one little stage rotator to the other quick enough, probably, was the issue. This is true, yeah. It's it's the cast of the play dancing together and not Zeke and Sharpay specifically. Although they do get some... I'm sure they've gotten some chances to practice their choreography together, wink. Yeah, much to Sharpay's annoyance, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but if you notice that Zeke is wearing that like pink sash that does match Sharpay's dress, so there is something intentional there. Oh, yeah. That would be annoying Like you're on a date with someone who's like, why are you wearing that pink sash? Does it match someone else's dress and not mine? <laughs> Yeah. That would be annoying. <laughs> I need you to wear this specific color. I don't care what it looks like, but it needs to be this color. <laughs> so it matches some other random stranger. Yeah. And then as the song gets over, they start saying how they're never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever gonna forget. I know. There's just so many evers and nevers. I tried writing it all down just right. And I, even then when I said that, I was like, that doesn't sound right. So I'm still confused about it. Yeah. <laughs> How many I've, nevers were there? I've got the, the lyrics in front of me here. Okay. So one, two, three, four. Well, just say, just say them. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever forget. So okay. the that's first, what I said. Yep. Yeah, so the first twos have one never to two evers. And then it goes one never to one ever, and then one never to two evers. Yeah, because if you think about it, three, three, and two is a set of eight, so that, that would make sense musically. Yeah. What got me was the subtitles had skipped an ever. Ah. So I was like, how many are, how, how many are there? Yeah. <laughs> so apparently on the Disney Wiki, in the trivia section of this song, this song shares its name with one by the American R&B group Shalimar. It also shares the name with the Walter Lord's 1955 novel on the Titanic and its 1958 movie ad- adaptation, like we said already. And it shares the title with the um, Gladys Knight concert movie, A Night to Remember, Gladys Knight's final performance. I didn't think that was a real title that you gave me there. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I don't was just do that. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if she's done performing. I don't think so. I saw her coming somewhere around here. Yeah. She can't die. That's the whole thing because she will survive. survive. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's funny they punctuate all the nevers and evers with like kind of posing. It's a very like it's a lot of quick precision moves they've got at the end there. Like, that is very Ryan-inspired. Yeah, I mean, it's very it's very disco. It's very... it's They're very much just hitting the, hitting the beats of the song, which is not which is not so basic, but it does just feel like the end of a song where it's like, building, building, building up to something. Mm-hmm. And then they freeze frame, like, every song ever. Like, <laughs> and then Darbus applauds. Whoa. I didn't even realize this was just a rehearsal the whole time. It felt so real. Thanks. I, I mean, but I mean, I would imagine that, at, like, for some child watching this, that this was like an impressive transition. Yeah, I think that what got me was the lighting was so dramatically different. Like when after we see Darbus and we go back to them freeze framed, 
like the lighting just looks bad now. <laughs> well, she has the she has them turn on the lights. But before that. Okay, it's just before. Yeah. So we get a little bit of non-diegetic lighting, but everything else is supposed to be real. Yeah. Miss Darby says bravo and brava, which Perfect. is very gender equality of her. Yeah. <laughs> but did you did you notice that she has this whole table set up at the like in the auditorium seats? Yeah, it's like chorus line. She also did that for the um auditions. That's like her thing. It's hard to believe that I couldn't sneeze. See. But now it feels like the the table's like more adorned than it should be. Like I bet she's been living at that table and it just like has grown <laughs> masses. Like whoops, this is my life now. <laughs> it's got like a lamp on it and like a tablecloth. Like it seems excessive. Um, we're talking about Darbus, Tyler. I mean, yeah. So she she says that Kelsey's music is splendid and that Ryan's chore- choreography is inventive. And then she yells at Jason for chewing gum and gives him detention. Which, correct, you should never chew gum and sing. That's dangerous. This is true. It feels like detention's, like, not the right consequence for this action. She doesn't know how to do anything but give out detentions. Fair. The lighting crew, the lighting crew needs help. Yeah, he's going to help detention with the lighting crew. It's almost like she gives out these punishments just for the sake of getting the free labor. Darbus is really living the prison industrial complex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably not wrong. <laughs> um, but she says all of this like compliment to Ryan and Kelsey as if she hasn't seen them do this all before. Like, but I think I, I think there is a difference when the lighting's all up in the costumes and it's a full run through, no interruptions, no. Oh, let me adjust your elbow here and that kind of stuff. Like there is something to be said about like that, that big dress rehearsal moment. And maybe no, cause she's directing it. So if you, the director are seeing like a big dress rehearsal and then all, all of your feedback is the music's good. <laughs> then what are you doing as a director? I mean, I, so this is where I don't quite know for musicals and stuff. But, like, how much does the choreographer have over the director for this kind of thing? Like, the director, I imagine, is doing more of, like, the, okay, this group is going to be here for blocking and that kind of stuff. But, like, the choreographer, it is mostly the choreographer's vision for, like, a big dance number like this. I don't know. Well, I I suppose the director still is guiding the overall vision of the show. Mm Mm-hmm. Along with a few producers, maybe. But... Yeah, the director is involved in every process to an extent. So it's not like she'd be seeing this for the first time in full dress rehearsal. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, no, I know. Maybe they're having a hard week and she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just lift him up right now. That's what they need. I mean, the idea of having like a full dress rehearsal for a scene like this with like the set fully done and everything all put together it does not seem like they're about to put on the show tomorrow. So this is all just a very weird theatrical process. Yeah. I would love for Ryan or Sharpay to go on to Broadway like the next year and be like, wait, this isn't how we did it at East High. Where's all the costumes for the second rehearsal? (laughs) 
yeah why why can't i get my music teacher to to put together a track of this and remix the whole musical to fit my vocal range yeah so darbus instructs everybody to disband and put their costumes back on the rack mm-hmm. which does lead us to believe that these are the costumes and not necessarily their real prom outfits. Yeah. But again, hard to say. Chad's got his name on his, so he's probably double using that. Yep. It's very um, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. I have no recollection of anything from that movie, so. Well, for the listeners at home that do, that was a great reference. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Confidence. That's what we need. We cut over to the side of the stage where we see Tiara Gold holding Boy. We haven't seen Tiara Gold for a while. Her character's not really panning out into anything that I was imagining that it could be. You know, that would require the movie to spend time with its characters. And why would you do that when you could just have dance numbers? You're feeling negative this week. Um. Well, it's it's I don't. What do you mean? (laughs) You've been very hard on the the movie in these last few minutes. I'm all, I feel like I'm pretty consistent though at this point. I mean, we didn't really love that TR Gold was introduced to begin with and then but we'll see. You, we'll I see thought where she, she was going to be more of a character foil for Sharpay to like compete with. Tyler, it's only minute 45 and you know how these movies love to do a big twist towards the end. We're only halfway through the movie. Yeah, exactly. God forbid we understand what's going on halfway through. It'd be more of something, I guess, if like if the Tiara Gold maybe interacted with the the Yort plot, like if there was like something about both of these character foils. Well, Yort is involved in the play now, so you never know. Oh, yeah. Yort and Donnie. But they weren't in this scene. No, because they're not seniors. That's the thing. None of those characters are seniors, so they can't be at prom. (sighs) <sighs> they didn't get invited by somebody else. No. Who would invite Yort? <laughs> Nobody want to invite Yort, the, 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 the hero of the basketball championship? No. Because <laughs> he goes, yo, 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 it's lunchtime. <laughs> yo, 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 it's lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> so Sharpay walks over to Tiara, but she doesn't really like grab anything. Did she like, did she give her something when she walks up? No, she gets, Tiara is holding boy. And why boy is at school right now is beyond me. Maybe it's a Saturday. And like. Or maybe it's after school, like when play rehearsal takes place. Yeah. To get, Tiara went to Sharpay's house to get boy and then bring boy back to Sharpay. Well, Tiara went to the, the dog daycare to pick up boy. Oh, no. The dog spa where he spends his day. No. Boy has a personal dog sitter at home. Boy does not leave the Evans mansion. Okay, that's fair. Sharpay complains to Tiara and Ryan. I hear Kelsey's writing something amazing for drawing Gabriella. <laughs> and Ryan's like, it's a song most likely. And then is so pleased with his little joke. Yeah, it's a little bit of a sass, like... Yeah, Sharpay, we already knew that. What do you want? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's also kind of a dig at Ryan, like you haven't been doing your job. I don't know. It it feels more like Sharpay's just sort of restating the the problem for narrative purposes. 
Like, remember this plot thread? Oh, yeah. It's still unclear how this mystery song fits into the show. Because it's not like we've seen much of it. And how is a Troy and Gabriella song, like, different than, like, what what purpose does, in describing senior year, does it create? I bet it's uh, an amazing, but maybe pinged with some bittersweetness song about their their relationship no way but it's still fun to sing along to in the and like an adele sense yeah we can soar and fly <laughs> there's not a star in heaven that they can't reach i am sorry i'm just i'm reviewing my notes and i've really i've hit them all at this point um yeah that, that's the problem when we get these big dance numbers it's like well it's cool to look at, but there's not much more to say about it because the characters don't really s- have personalities that come to the forefront and the, the movie doesn't really have a conflict that it's trying to sort out or an emotional arc. I'm glad that Sharpay's professionalism towards the art, though, like doesn't inhibit the song. Like, this could have become like a Sharpay pushing... Gabriella out of the way kind of song and I'm glad Sharpay's moved past that yeah it's not like bop to the top where she pushes Ryan down the ladder yeah or is it the is it the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody episode where they, they're like all like pushing each other yes. around the stage so they can be the center of attention yes like that that as a bit works like once ever and then it's like well you guys are just being mean to each other yeah I'm glad that this was just like a straight take and it is kind of cool to see, like, because we said this a lot about High School Musical 1, in that, like, we never saw Twinkle Town. We have no idea what context Breaking Free had or Bop to the Top. Troy and Gabriella were in their their normal outfits, not, like, a full costume or anything. Like, it's kind of cool to see so- a, a completed product for one of the musicals. I find the things that are like charming and campy from the first one in this movie are like, okay, but like you don't have the, you don't have the innocence or, or the automatic buy-in anymore. It's like, prove me something. I don't, or maybe I'm expecting too much from it. I think you are. Cause you keep, (laughs) you keep talking about Lady Bird and those are just two different planets. When did I, when did you talk about Lady Bird a lot? <laughs> I mentioned Lady Bird in the last minute because we were talking about Greta Gerwig movies. You, we've also talked about it like two or three other times recently. We mentioned it one Prom. other time. No, we mentioned it one other time. Nope, because we talked about it with Geo, and then we talked about it before that because Geo emailed us. We didn't talk about it with Geo. Pretty sure we did. If we did, we just mentioned, oh yeah, remember Lady Bird, like. We only talked about it the one time. It feels like more. Maybe you edited the episode where we talked about it, so it felt like more than once. Maybe. <laughs> well, Tyler, um, we have nothing else to say about Minute 46, so you want to do our next segment? Yeah, let's do a decom segment. Cue the music. All right, Condra, it's a simple crossover this week. We've got two Disney properties that we're going to combine to make some sort of TV special or movie. 
that will be a scam to get people to watch it. And then, you know, who knows if it will actually be good or not. Yep. But what are we going to choose to work with this week? Well, in honor of the reopening of the Adventureland Treehouse in Disneyland, I would like to bring to the table the Swiss Family Robinson. Okay. What year does the Swiss Family Robinson take place? Take place? I want to say like the 1890s, but let me look. And what ha- like the Swiss Family Robinson is just about like a family who like like gets lost in the jungle and then has to survive. So in a big treehouse? No, so they get marooned and oh, shoot. So no, it actually takes place during the 1810s. Um so it it is about a family who is fleeing Napoleon's reign in 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 Europe and um they get marooned on an island and have to learn how to live there and they they build a little um like a innovative treehouse for themselves to live in with running water and they have like a organ and they they try and live a relatively comfortable life that they're used to despite living in the wild. And what is the like is there a plot thrust to this where they, are they like trying to get out or is it well, just like the big oh, com- it's sort of a cutesy family movie where they all live in this Well, that's the big consideration house. is is they're not sure if they want to go back to society after a while. And some of wow. them do, some of them don't. And it's vaguely modeled after Robinson Crusoe in the sense that it's just a survival narrative. Yeah, they they both were novels from the same time period. Swiss Family Robinson's also a, a book, so yeah, I, although I think Swiss Family Robinson is distinctly after Robinson Crusoe because Robinson Crusoe is like one of the first novels, novels in the modern sense. Yeah. All right. Well, this is going to be interesting. I was thinking, you know how like people have this this hot take that like Mary Poppins is a time lord and she like sort of yep. dives into situations and, you know, solves a problem and then leaves magically and no one really knows where she comes from and she's sort of exists out of time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wasn't thinking Mary Poppins. I was thinking Bert from Mary Poppins. Nice. Okay. Because he sort of has a similar vibe where yeah. he can sort of like jump in and out of situations, but he's more of like a folksy, like down to earth version of it. Yeah. Um. And just for clarification, uh, Robinson Crusoe came out about a hundred years before Swiss Family Robinson did. So Robinson yeah. Caruso came out in 1719 and Swiss Family Robinson published in 1812. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't think they're that close. I don't know. But OK, Bert from Mary Poppins. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking just like another at another time in his life or 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 it's Dick Van Dyke playing like a very similar character. And there's like a sort of wink to the audience that it's also Bert hmm. or something like that. I don't know. For some reason, I just thought Bert for Mary Poppins I like, would be the thing, no, but I not like Mary Bert Poppins for, herself. Yeah, no, I like Bert for Mary Poppins because he definitely, yeah, does have those like out of space and time vibes. He just goes with the flow. He's had all these jobs and he somehow is surviving. And time wise, we're not. We're about still again 40. like 100 years. <laughs> no, because um, Mary Poppins is more. It, it, yeah, probably just under a hundred years apart, because they make specific reference to a king, which is at the turn of the century. So, 
Yeah, it's turn of the century. I mean, they're doing the women's suffrage thing, so it's but in the UK that happened before in America, so yeah, but it's not, but not that like not fifty years before. No, so it seems like Bert's the one who we have to sort of translocate to Swiss Family Robinson times. Yeah. Now is the is the is it the Robinson family or the are are they Swiss by nationality? What's their name? They are a Swiss family. With the last name Robinson. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so are they still on the island? Do they leave the island and like get stuck somewhere else? Do they do they go to England and see Bert, who's a sort of cockney? So a ship does appear on the island to move them where they may. And they the the parents do not want to leave the island and one of the kids stays while the other kid goes wow should i stay or should i go so most of the kids stay on the island um there is some some like relationship drama between like which directions like some of the kids want to move on to this new life and establishing a new new place where some of them want to go back to like London and like go to school and or go to London and go to school and stuff so it's like what is the best path for me kind of thing now here here's the big ticket is this the Bert origin story Ooh. <laughs> was Bert a Swiss family Robinson <laughs> you know I love this <laughs> who, then, who then sailed off and Became a sort of man out of time. Yeah, I um actually, I didn't know this was what I wanted from this, but I, I do think. <laughs> so it's the sort of sequel that picks up from the end of the original Swiss Family Robinson. We are, you know, seeing the, the kid who has decided to leave sail away on this boat. Yeah. And we're following this, this, is, did more than one kid leave or just the one? I think one of them went in one direction and one of them went in the other. Sorry, there's a lot of kids and I'm like very quickly trying to read the synopsis. All right. So one of the kids, a young man, he's on his own. He's with these sailors. Yeah. He's sort of learning the ropes, as it were. Yep. Literally. I think that's where that phrase yep, comes from. It is. <laughs> um, and he's with a sort of multinational group of sailors. There's... Yeah, some European ones. There's some from the Caribbean, Some maybe some escaped slaves, some English ones. It's sort of a ragtag group of people. Yeah. And, and one, maybe the captain, I suppose, takes him under his wing. This and is the, turning the into captain is an English gentleman, I suppose. Or, yeah, or there's an English gentleman on board. I guess, I guess, but they're pirates, the thing is, where does so. the Cockney accent come from? This is, this is the Han Solo movie. It's like where we had to explain the, the specific things and where they came from, Yeah, which, you know, everyone loved about the Han Solo movie. See, the thing is with the Cockney accent, like, it's not like, unless, okay, okay, okay. I got it. Cause he's on a pirate ship right now. Okay. Like at the end of the movie, he's on a pirate ship. There is another storm. He gets injured. And gets amnesia and then gets picked up by a gentleman ship, like a, a West India trading company ship or like 
And that's East where India? the cock. Yes. Where's the island in the original Swiss Family Robinson? They're I was going picturing to- it like off the coast of South America. No, they're going to New Guinea. Okay, so they're in the Pacific. Where's New Guinea? <laughs> <laughs> nice. The Indian Ocean. Yeah, where- Indonesia. So okay, as they're traveling back towards like London, there's a storm. He gets shipwrecked. Well, he gets like amnesia shipwrecked, like one of those things. And he gets picked up by like a British trading ship. And that's where the Cockney accent comes in because there were a lot of folks from like that part of England was commonly associated with shipbuilding, ship sailing, like that kind of stuff. So here's another option now. Did you have did you have another significant thing you wanted to add or no, were you it's just fine. Okay. So the other option is you know how everyone thinks that the Cockney accent is bad? Mm-hmm. What if it is bad and it's supposed to be bad? What if what if this movie explains why the Cockney accent is bad? Like in a grand context or just Bert's co- Cockney accent? Like, like, so you know how the solo movie has to explain like the Kessel run is actually distance and not time. Yeah. Like they have to do this sort of ham fisted thing to like explain why it's phrased the way it is. Yeah. And then it makes, and then it makes the later movie be like, Oh, that's why I'm saying now when you rewatch Mary Poppins, you're going to be like, ah, yes, he's got this secret backstory, which is why he's pretending to be Cockney right here, but he isn't actually Cockney. That's why his accent is bad. It's like, so the movie will end and he's like, well, I got to pretend to be British. Yeah. Does this make sense? It does. I don't love it. I think. Okay. I think maybe unless he chameleons between different situations, which I don't know if this character is like got that going. Cause like what it could be, he just puts on a similar air and accent to whatever situation he's in to fit in and like be accepted into. I could see that working, but like not necessarily. All right. What are the jobs that Bert does in Mary Poppins? He does the one man band. Mm-hmm. He's a chimney he sweep. Chimney sweep. And he does like sidewalk painting. Sidewalk painting. Yeah. Are those the only three? I think so. All right. That works as a rule of three type thing. So at some point he needs to like get good at painting and learn he, music. He he definitely would probably already know music because his mom is super into music and that's why they have the organ in the in the treehouse. Okay. And so maybe at some point he ingratiates himself to the sailors by playing music for them. Yeah. And they they sort of slapdash a bunch of stuff together and be like, "Hey, just play all these instruments at once." And then he figures out how to do that and it's like, "Uh?" Yeah. <laughs> At some point, do they find like a a mat like a fountain of youth or like a magical potion that makes him age slower? <laughs> I don't think so because it's not Pirates of the Caribbean. But but like if Swiss Family Robinson takes place in the eighteen tens and then Mary Poppins takes place eighty ninety years later, maybe he has an early run in with Mary Poppins and she's like, "Hey, here's my secret." Like maybe this is their like first falling in love story. Okay, now is it the doctor? Is it the Doctor Who thing where like they're going backwards in time with relationship to each other inversely? No, <laughs> darn. I know. I I do love River, but no, I don't think for this that would work as well. 
Okay, so yeah, so it's somewhere along the way he meets Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> All right, so he so he he got amnesia so he he's forgotten that he's from the Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. And so we do, we're not beholden to any of that stuff, but he does vaguely remember how to play instruments. Yeah, like he has some he, innate skills, like he's a good engineer. Yeah, he he does some weird like rope Rube Goldberg machines to make things work. Yeah. And and we're really just leaving that behind. Yeah. <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, and then yeah, he he sails with the guys, he does he does the the pots and pans and playing musical instruments. Mm-hmm. And then at some point they they meet Mary Poppins. Like when does, he gets to get London. Into, maybe when he gets to London, or does he meet her like out abroad? I think when he gets to London. I think he but I think he can't get to London until the end of the movie. See, I think it would be fun if it was like the first 20 minutes of Treasure Island where they're like running around trying to get their lives t- like together to go on the on the boat kind of thing. Like that was the end of the movie. Like like the the third act is him in London and then trying to sort himself out. Well, maybe he like ran into Mary Poppins like at one port stop and then all of a sudden he like gets off the boat and London and like sees her in a distance and then like the last bit is like him dashing to try and find her. My thought is the last bit is like he lands in London and be like, well, I got nothing in my pockets, nowhere to go. I guess I need to get a job. And then someone hands him a broom and says, you're a chimney sweep now. He would have to turn away. The thing is, though, like if he'd been sailing for so long, he could have had the option to continue sailing, like keeping knowledgeable sailors was something they tried to do and if he so there needs to be a reason that he doesn't want to go back on the water all right so instead of sweeney todd wanting to get revenge he's seeking mary poppins yeah he knows that london is the one place that she will return to Mm -hmm. so he needs to stay there to find her again all right so where does he meet Mary Poppins out like out on the sea? Are they like stranded in the middle of the ocean with no wind? So she like comes and rescues them. No, that's not Mary Poppins. Maybe they're at like a port city and she's like the governess for a family kind of thing and is taking care of the kids. And one of the kids like ball gets thrown in the water and he jumps in to rescue it or something or rescued the kid. And then that's how, like, the kid falls in the water and maybe he saves the kid. And then Mary, like, he he gets out of the water and looks up at Mary Poppins, who's looking stern and concerned. And he's like, yes, this is the woman. Um, Yes, but I will add on to that. There needs to be some sort of, like, Mary Poppins-esque magical adventure therein, wherein they, like, they play at the bottom of the ocean or, like. That's, yeah. So, like, bedknobs and broomsticks it. Which or just of, like the animated sequence of Mary Poppins. Well, the in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, they play under the water. Like that's the the sequence, and because originally, like, be, while Bedknobs and Broomsticks is its own IP kind of thing, before it got like before the movie was made, it wasn't part of the Mary Poppins universe. There were a lot of similarities between the two, and people were like, "Wow, this is just like Mary Poppins again," but they couldn't get the rights to more <laughs> Mary Poppins. Okay, so maybe. But but maybe it's like uh like a cave or a lagoon or something. Okay. Yeah. And at some, where does he learn to paint? Maybe one of his duties is like maybe in the port they have to re- do some ship repairs and he's like tasked with painting the ship. Does he run into some like 
19th century impressionist, though. Like, Ooh, I like that <laughs> idea. <laughs> we just add Mr. Turner into this. He meets Monet. I don't know when any of these guys were I, alive. I don't think that's right, but. Yeah, I guess mid 1800s. Yeah, I don't know. Because those, those guys were like late 1800s, yeah. I guess. So I like the idea of him like learning to paint like in the port city too. Like and then, the- and then. But then he also like someone's painting the 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 port overall, and there, there's like the bridge with the oceans, and and so he sees this painter on the dock, like, "Hey, mate, what you up to?" And then <laughs> and then they get to talking, and then Bert does like a whole impressionist painting, but like on the side of the boat. Yeah. And then it gets washed away within five minutes, but he's like, "You know what? It was worth it." Yeah. Because isn't that something that happens with the sidewalk painting too? Is well, it gets yeah, rained it away? Rains. Yeah. Yeah, so he likes impermanent there's, art. There's that too. Yeah. Any any other like wrinkles of the bird story that we need to like cram in there? No, I feel like I feel like that's enough. Yeah, he does the music. He does the painting. He finds Mary Poppins. They sail to London. He becomes a chimney sweep so that he can try to find Mary Poppins and be on the rooftops where he's more likely to see her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, he also sells kites. That's oh, his last job. Oh, he sells job. kites. Oh boy! Um, I think that's just more engineering thing. Yeah, that that's that feels like a very Swiss. Swiss family. Yeah, related. All right, I think we. I think. I think we got. We enough. came up with an idea that is completely out of the blue and original. And yeah, yeah. Who'd have thunk? Bert, Bert a Star Wars story. <laughs> Bert, a Swiss Family Robinson story. <laughs> Dude, I'm so into the SFW. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the SFR universe. Yeah. The SFRU. Yeah. Yeah. SFRU. Yeah. And this is all because <laughs> the uh, Adventureland Treehouse just got. So the treehouse in Disneyland just got rethemed um, from Tarzan's treehouse back to more reminiscent of the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse, but it's a, just a generic called Adventureland treehouse, and it's going to have stuff from the SEA, and it opens this weekend, and I'm very excited for it. What's the SEA? Uh, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. It is... Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, yeah. The backstory of, of why the Jungle, Jungle Cruise, Cruise and the Haunted Mansion are all related and or whatever. And Indiana Jones, and yeah. Okay. All well, right. Well, that we was, accomplished something. That was minute 46 of High School Musical 3 senior year and the Burt X Swiss Family Robinson story. Yeah, it was. So until next time, you can find us on social media. We're at Amateur Nerds on Instagram. Or at Wildcat Minute on Tumblr. You can also send us an email to AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your favorite 19th century novel. Or send us some more things to cross over. Tell your friends about the show, too. It's the best way for more people to find out about us. Oh, yes. Do that, please. Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at TGoldenArt on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at JoeWinslowMusic.com. I have been Condra. And I've been Tyler. We'll see you next time to find out what's going to happen in this movie. If anything will actually happen, you can bet on it. <laughs> <laughs>